if you've ever wondered what's the difference between constitutional contract law and legislative law and why our trust is so amazing, you've come to the right place, although the answer is probably not what you're expecting. Hi, my name is Don Thornton. I'm an infinite wealth strategist. I am also a real estate investor with 20 years experience in Florida doing short sales. I've helped well over 3,500 homeowners in my period of time. And now I am teaching people how to be able to save money on their taxes uh, by a lot and to be able to 100% asset protect all of their property when they use this amazing trust. In this video, I'm going to talk about what constitutional law is and why, how it was developed and why anything based on constitutional law is so much better than legislative law. I'm going to go into what legislative law is and you know how it came about and why most of the entities that are out there that people use are legislative law and subject to its regulations and tax and why uh, finally we're going to talk about this trust a non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust why being based on constitutional contract law is so much better let's get into it okay so let's talk about what constitutional law is the, the, in the very first article of the, of the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, it clearly states that no state shall impair the obligation of contracts. Now, you can tell that the Founding Fathers really uh, believed that the sanctity of a contract was a holy thing, sacrosanct, and that, it, that the law, the Constitution, that, that, that there should not be any interference or impairment with the uh, um, obligations of contracts. So we can see how important that was by the fact that it's in the very first article, section 10. Now, there are other, uh, you know, Supreme Court rulings came later that solidified that and gave, you know, this is basically subtle law. So the first one was um, uh, Peck versus, um, I'm sorry, Fletcher versus Peck in 1810. Now, this is an interesting case. Now, the laws here don't really matter. I mean, the case itself doesn't really matter. It's the ruling that matters. That's all that matters with the trust and, and what we're talking about here. In this particular case, uh, Fletcher and Peck, they were two land speculators in Georgia. And the, the Georgia legislator, legislature had passed a law allowing them to go into, at the time, Indian territory and claim a lot of land for themselves. You know, that happened back then a lot, unfortunately. So... But the legislature, like a year or so later, decided that that law that was on the books previously was not a good law. And so they passed another law revoking that law. OK, and so they said the legislature said that anything that Fletcher and Peck had done as far as contracts legislate, you know, uh, that they had um, carried out in, in accordance with the previous law was null and void. Well, they went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court actually ruled that. This the Georgia law, the new law, violated Article One, Section Ten of the Constitution. Even a bad law, you know, if a contract was was entered into in accordance with the existing law at the time, whether it's a bad law or not, then the state cannot pass any legislation that would impair the obligations of that contract. So that was a landmark decision about you know about the sanctity of contracts now the other the other really important supreme court case happened later in 1911 and this was elliot versus freeman now the law itself like i said doesn't really matter but it was about tariffs 
and about who the tariffs uh, touched, right? Who, how, what entities the tariffs um, impacted. Well, in this particular case, and it's very interesting here what happened, the Supreme Court literally differentiated between entities that were created by the legislature. You know, we're talking about, you know, we know what they are, LLCs, S-Corps, C-Corps, all that stuff. They were subject to this tariff, but they specifically said that organizations that are based on the realm of equity, i.e. a trust based on contract law, were not in any way, shape, or form affected by this tariff. And so that set a precedent that says that if you're, uh, if you are in a contract, uh, you know, in a, 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 with a, um, a trust that's based on constitutional contract law, then you're not subject to any legislative acts, which is pretty powerful. So what I'd like for you to do right now is to go down and subscribe. Because I really hope you enjoy this content and I love giving it to you every week. I drop a new video. So, you know, hit the bell where it says uh, you can be uh, immediately uh, informed, notified when I drop a new video. And that would be awesome. So I want to talk now about legislative law. So we just covered constitutional contract law. Now let's talk about legislative law to make sure that we're completely understanding the basis of how this works with, you know, uh, legislative law created um, entities and a contract law trust. Okay, so what are we talking about? Well, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Any law that was uh, passed by a legislative entity, it's gonna be based on legislative law. Now, give, give me a background on this. Uh, Henry VIII, you know, back, you know we, we know about the wives and everything, but what, what people don't understand is that Henry VIII was, was basically a thief uh, during the Reformation when he basically took England out of the Catholic Church realm and formed the Church of England. You know, everybody talks about that from a religious point of view, but actually it was a, it was a, a completely blatant land grab because he wanted to confiscate and seize the land and property of Catholic uh, landowners. And so he was basing that off of royal law, which was based on maritime law. And so the uh, landlords were just, you know, they were getting wiped out and they kept trying to challenge this in, in the royal courts. And they just kept getting their, their butts handed to them because uh, according to the maritime law, that would not work. So what they did was they uh, decided they, they created a trust that was based on contract, even, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, English common law. And it was in a different jurisdiction. And that was, they were able, this is how the trust was created. And this is, they were able to stop those blatant land grabs. So an interesting thing here is that, you know, all in the Western, uh, you know, let's say, let's just keep it with Anglo-Saxon. Let's keep it with England and uh, Ireland and uh, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, basically anything that came from the British empire. Though all the legislation is done is based on maritime law, which is now legislative law. OK, so when the when the when uh, the uh, Constitution was enacted and the United States was born, specifically the founders, like I said in the previous section of this video, set up, you know, the, an Article one, Section 10, that no state shall impair the obligation of contracts. Right. So now we have a clear definition or delineation between legislative law and contract law. So what is that? What is legislative law? 
basically what, what, what when we deal with in, in a business. Well, you've got LLCs, you've got S-Corps, you have C-Corps, you have land trusts, basically any entity that's created by, you know, on the basis of uh, an, something enacted by a legislative entity or authority, then it's then it has to be governed in accordance with all the rules and regulations of the legislature. And here's something else too. When I when I talk to people about the trusts and everything, and they they talk to their attorneys, they talk to CPAs. Well, they're not familiar with a trust based on constitutional contract law. So that means that their they their frame of reference is whatever trusts that were enacted or created by a legislature. And of course, you know they're different. And what we can do in our asset protection and our, and our tax reduction strategies, uh, you know, they would not work with a trust based on legislative law, but they do work on, you know, because it's based on constitutional contract law. And so that's why these attorneys and CPAs don't even know about it for the most part, or if they do, they are, you know, they, they, they're just not familiar with it. So their immediate reaction is to say, no, don't do it. Even though there's, there's as I've explained, there's ample case law and uh, Supreme Court rulings and so forth that, to basically show that this is actually very legal. Um, you know, it's it's uh, interesting that a little tidbit here. Did you know that an attorney is not allowed by the Bar Association to create this trust or allow a third party to like, you know, give a license to sell it? And you know why? Because the Bar Association uh, will not allow an attorney to create something that another attorney cannot sue. And this is such a phenomenal trust that has asset protections that it really can't be sued only on the basis of false conveyance uh, for fraudulent activity, but that's it. Otherwise it's, it gets tossed, uh, you know, by the judge. So that's interesting. So to, um, to finalize this part about legislative law, the government can only tax and regulate entities that it itself creates. The trust is different because it's based on contract law and it is a contract, not formed or created by a government entity. So what I would love for you to do right now is to go down and uh, leave a comment. I'm sure that you have some comments about this about this uh, uh, topic. Uh, maybe you want to ask me some questions, but I love to engage with my viewers and my uh, and people that are in my in my um, you know my uh, network. So please, by all means, leave a comment. And that would be awesome. So now I want to talk to you about why you need this trust. So I've actually touched upon this already in the previous two sections, but I kind of want to wrap it together now. So just to review, the trust is a contract, okay? When you boil it down to it, it's a contract that's created for, for uh, the people that are, or the entities that are involved in the contract, okay? So you're talking about uh, beneficiaries, trustee, and its own contract, how the trust is, how the trust works, and so on and so forth. That is an independent, independently created entity contract. And the government cannot regulate that or tax it. That's very important because it's not created by the legislature. And as we talked about before, it's guaranteed by the contract, Article 1, Section 10. No state shall uh, uh, impair the obligation of contracts. You know, um, uh, Peck, Peck, Fletcher versus Peck in 1810 about how even a bad a bad law, if a contract is based off of that, uh, it, you know, it's still it's still valid because the state cannot change or alter any contract. And then obviously Elliott versus Peck, we talked about where this is the first time the Supreme Court basically came out and said that the trust is in the realm of equity 
and it is not subject to any laws or statutes uh, created by the, if it, it, by the legislature because it was not created by legislative an active legislature. So uh, that's very important. So what does that mean for us, if, if those of us who decide that we want to uh, invest in a trust? Well, it's the most important thing is remember that all capitalizations and endowments to the trust are non-taxable provided they stay in the corpus of the trust. So if you disperse to somebody, to entities or whatever, then that's a taxable event for them. But as long as the uh, any endowments and capitalizations that come into the trust and stay in the corpus of the trust, then they're not uh, there's no there's no tax involved in that. Which means that you know the trustee has a hundred percent discretion, and it can designate any passive income that is coming into the trust as an extraordinary dividend, which is allowed by by the the the, the uh, uh, statute of the of the contracts. And it is in accordance with IRS Code 643, which is very important. And finally, any assets in the trust, when they're sold, are not subject to capital gains. And that's why this is such an important thing. And it's, an, it's, it's you know, for you to understand truly why this trust is so unique and why it's so powerful. I, that's why I want to go over why, what constitutional law is, our constitutional contract law, what legislative law is. How they how they are different and why the trust based on con constitutional contract law is so powerful and that's why uh, anybody has a business or is interested in protecting their assets and uh, you know paying hardly any taxes legally should be doing getting a trust and what I want you to do is if you're interested in learning more information go down below in the description there are links there that you can reach out to me my phone number is there as well you can schedule a time with me and I can go over this in greater detail and we can do a free um, analysis of what your what what's going on with your business and your life in regards to asset protection and taxes. We can we can chart a plan for you to be able to save like uh, other people are doing and the ultra rich have been doing for a long time, centuries in fact, ever since the U.S. tax code was enacted in the 1930s. So thank you very much for being here, and I can't wait to talk to you again.